you'll grab your Bibles, we are in Romans this morning, Romans 8, and while you're turning there, I, I do want to mention that uh, little Gwen is here, that's Silas's and Kayla's little, little one, and I know you don't care about the mom and dad being here, but the baby's here, so go by and say hi and all that, grandma's all excited. <laughs> And uh, if you want to mark Colossians 1, we'll be in Colossians 1 a little bit this morning. So we've been going through the series of, of Romans, and uh, it's been a great series, and we've been talking about the struggle between uh, the Spirit and the flesh. And in uh, Romans eight twelve it says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it's not to the flesh, to live according to it. For if we live according to the flesh, you will die. But if, you, but if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not, uh, does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought, you, uh, brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his suffering in order that we may also share in his glory. So as we've been talking about this whole idea of of the spirit versus the flesh and the battle that goes on uh, really in our head most of the time, uh, you know, the Greek, uh, the Greek word for spirit is uh, uh, the word pneuma, and, uh, and uh, the word for flesh is the word sarx. And these are two conflicting voices in our head, two conflicting personalities. And the old voice sarx is, is not new to us. That's the old sinful Alan. That's the old sinful put your name in there. Uh, that's, and, and that never goes away, but the Holy Spirit can help push that part down. But the new St. Alan has a new member of the family. And uh, you, you know how it is when you get somebody that moves into the house. I mean, it was so funny. We, uh, uh, with Brandon, you know, he's oh, almost six and a half now. And, and, I mean, he's got so many toys and stuff. And, and, you know, all the stuff that you buy kids, you want to provide. You know, this last week he, he got out there and started hitting baseballs. And we're like, okay, time to get the kid a ball and a glove. You know, we didn't, I mean, he's our, he's our clumsy kid. I didn't think he was going to be doing baseball. But he's out there just welling away, you know. So we buy Grayson, we got a couple of things, uh, one of his toys, one of his favorite toys broke, so I got him a new toy, and, and so he's all excited about it, and Grayson, you know, he's only 20 months old, and Brandon is like, I want one of those toys, where's mine? And he keeps taking it away from Grayson, we're like, Brandon, calm down, let the kid play, you know, and that, that's like the new member of the family moving in, you know what I'm saying? You know, the old sinful Alan sitting there going, but, but what? no, no, the soul spirit, Holy Spirit thing, no, no, what, what's going on with that? And he wants to take everything back. But don't think of flesh as, as your skin here. It's your corrupted nature. Our innate desire, our fallen self that, that is here, it's that desire to sin. And the pneuma or the spirit is our born-again self that prompts us to reflect or, or to resist the, the nature. So I was talking to Brandon, and Brandon's like, well, well, how do you hear God's voice? And I told him, well, you know, at his age, you, you can't go into the whole the, theological thing. So at his age, I'm like, well, it's the voice in your head that tells you not to do bad things. And he goes, 
oh, I hear that voice a lot. <laughs> okay, well, that, that works for right now, okay? We'll get, get a little more complicated later. But the root word for pneuma is where we get the word pneumonia, a disease that involves breath. So pneuma is, is about breath, the air that fills us. But it's not the physical breath that fills us, the physical air that fills our lungs, but it's about the breath of the, the, that fills, the, you know, it's our spirit, who we are. It, it helps empower us against the things of the world. The word pneuma is also where we get the word pneumatic, like a pneumatic tool. Pneumatic tool is connected to a compressor, right? And you grab the tool, and all you do is you put it where it should go, that whatever connection, whatever you're working on, you put it to where it should go, and the air does all the work. All you do is push a button, right? Okay, that, you know, that's great. So Paul is saying that, you know, uh, you don't have to work. You just got to put the Holy Spirit where it should go and allow the Spirit to do the work. So Paul is saying in order for us to defeat the flesh... To do what we were originally intended and designed to do, we have the Holy Spirit within us. That power is flowing in us in order to accomplish the task, what God has for us. So the pneuma is the power of the Holy Spirit working with our spirit so we'll be able to, to be like Christ or to act like Christ. This is why it's so difficult for some, you know, for some people to become Christians. Because they, they go to church and they try to follow God's ways without the help of the Spirit. Without that, that acknowledgement of, uh, uh, of God actually living in them. They just try to clean up their act, and, you know, but, but not accepting God's help in changing their ways. They don't accept the power source. So if you hear anything out of Romans 7 or, or Romans 8, I want you to hear this. Stop trying to do Christian things. Just stop. Stop trying to act like a Christian. Because Christianity is not an act. And some people are like, whoa, Pastor Allen, that's just rude. <laughs> Why would you say that? Well, have you seen any actors lately? An actor is someone who memorizes lines to say. Why they're so popular, I don't know. We're just like, oh. <gasps> I just saw an actor. I'll go down to Hollywood. I want to see them. But they're just actors. They memorize and then they say them. Being a Christian is not an act. Being a Christian is a way of life. Spend time allowing yourself to be connected to Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. And you need to connect up with that power. It's hard to be a Christian without power. Because, you know, some religions call this the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which, you know, I mean, coming from Southern Baptists, anytime you start saying baptism of the Holy Spirit, I just go, you know. And that's not, I, you know, the Lord's changed me over time a little bit. I say a little bit. But, you know, but, you know it just makes conservatives freak out or others call it the fullness of the Holy Spirit. I don't care what you call it as long as it comes from God. And the only way to get hooked into God is you have the compressors and you have all the tools hooked to it. But if it isn't plugged in, if you're not connected in with the Spirit, it's useless. You can have all the tools. doesn't matter. We're all the same. We all leak air in a sense. We all need replenishment from time to time. We all get tired. We serve God. 
And if you serve God, you will get tired. You'll get ragged out. You'll kind of just, you know, if you're not careful, you'll get grumpy about it. If you're not connected in with the Holy Spirit. If you're not connected in with the Holy Spirit, you won't be replenished. We need people who are full of the Holy Spirit serving each other, to serve faithfully. God wants, you know, wants to take care of us, wants us to be the tool that's taken care of. We need to take time to be with the Lord. For us to be able to say, I love you. I love you and that you are my child to be able to to allow God to respond. You know, as a father, one of the things I want to make sure that that my kids understand, you know, beyond the fathering stuff, beyond the, hey, you need to do this, hey, you need to do that, I want them to understand that I love them. You know, they get the, you know, like you you say something to like, okay, eat. No, 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 seriously, eat. No, 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 I am not joking here. Eat, you know, beyond that following and that battle of, of pick up your stuff or whatever. I want them to understand that they have a loving father. Beyond the let's sit down and do your homework or listen to your mother or take your stuff to your room. Between all of that, you throw in, I love you. You know, between, you know, hey, Brandon, I love you. Hey, Grayson, I love you. It's important for them to understand that and hear that growing up. But not only to hear that, but for my actions to actually follow through on that. It's important for them growing up. Both for Brandon and Grayson to know that their father loves them. Now, God is the same way for us. In between the corrective things, because we do need correcting every now and then, don't we? I mean, or is it the other church down the street, right? I mean, yeah. He reminds us, in the middle of all that, how much... He loves us, and that he wants to spend time with us. This is the pneumatic tool. God is, you know, you're the tool, and God's like cleaning you all up. And he goes, I want to connect you into the Holy Spirit. I want to connect you into me and get you back in the tip-top shape. So when it's time to be used, he plugs you right in. This is what the Apostle Paul was talking about in Colossians 1.9. In Colossians 1.9, it says, if I can find it here. For this reason, since the day we, we heard about you, you have not st- we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all the power according to his gracious uh, might, so that you might have a great endurance and patience. And giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought unto us the kingdom of the Son he loves. In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Then down to verse 21, he goes on and says, Once you were alienated from God and were enemies uh, in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you to Christ's physical body through the death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue to live in faith, established and firm, do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel which you have heard 
and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, which I, Paul, have become a servant. Wow. Christ is the hope and the glory. That is my hope. My hope is not in human potential, is what he's saying. My hope is in Christ, not in a distance Christ, but a Christ that is within me. Christ is in me so I can do it. Christ is in me so I can live it. Christ is in me so I can actually relax a little in this world as I live. We need to understand that. In fact, say that together. Christ is in me. Okay, you ready? Christ is in me. Wow. Why is he in me? When is he in me? All the time. And he can do it through me. I mean, do you really believe that? Or do you think he's just telling you to do something? Eat. Do you really think that Christ is living in you and through you? Or is it just about commands? Do you, believe, you know, actually believe that, that Christ is in your hands? So it's his hands working through your hands that are doing it. Do you believe that Christ is in your head? So it's when you're saying something, you're saying something through Jesus Christ. Do you believe that he's in your thought process? Christ is in me, and he will do it through me. This is why we give glory to God. We say, look, look at what the Lord has done. Because from the outside, some people say, now, that that is not the Lord, that is you doing it. But from the inside, we know that this is God because he's using me. Because that's not something I would actually choose to do. But we see this through the Lord. See, the number one way that you will win your family and friends to Christ is not by preaching at them, not by getting in their face, not by debating them, but allowing the Lord to be in you and work through you, to change you. Because they'll see it, and it will annoy them. They will tease you about it, um, but it will bug them that you have changed. Christ is in you, and from the inside out, he changes you. Because, you know, because Christ was in me, you know, you, <laughs> you should have seen how I was before. But now, you know, before Christ, it was all about me. It was all about, uh, you know, feel good. It was all about whatever I want to do. But after Christ, it was about others. And we get to do great things, and we give God the credit. See, that, that is the mystery. That Christ is in you, and you're the pneumatic tool that, that he uses to work, and people are just amazed by it. You know, when we lived in the Bay Area, people were amazed that my wife and I, would, we would actually take vacation, and she would take vacation off of her job, and, and it, me, okay, it's a little easier to take vacation off my job to go on a mission trip because I work, you know, in a church, but, but my wife, she had a regular job, and she still does, and, and they were always amazed, and we would take friends, uh, you know, even from her work, and, 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 you know, one of her coworkers, she went on a trip to Kenya with us, and, and she has continued to be able to do that, and she's been going to Haiti almost every year, sometimes twice a year now, and people are just downright amazed by it. You mean you take vacation, and you pay your own way, 
You know, because, you know, most mission trips are young people and they're trying to get, you know, they come and say, hey, can you help me out? I'd love to go on this trip. I can't afford it. But then these adults are a little older and they can't afford it. So they just pay. And people are like, you mean you pay to go to Haiti and go work? They, they just don't understand it. And they're like, yeah, isn't God great? And they're shaking their head trying to figure out that mystery. And the mystery is that Christ is in us. The things we do has an effect on those that are around us. And it happens because Christ is in you. We participate in the Holy Spirit because Christ is in us. We don't run from the Holy Spirit. You know, sometimes we're completely freaked out by, by the Holy Spirit because we don't understand it, we just run from it. Anytime Brandon doesn't understand something, what is he going to do? He's going to run. He runs back to us, he runs for cover, he runs to hide. I mean, literally, if it's a strange engine starting up, we're like, that's just the neighbor's pickup, but he's running away because he doesn't understand it, you know? We're afraid of it. You know, growing up, my church, we didn't talk about the Spirit much. And we need not to be afraid of the Holy Spirit because it's a part of God. It is the nature of God. I mean, uh, we can get into speaking in tongues some other time and stuff, but I can tell you one time uh, we had a, a crusade on a Friday night and, and one of the guys, uh, he spoke in tongues. And man, you talk about board meetings after board meetings after board meetings for several months after that, you know? But if we start to understand the Holy Spirit is part of God, it is the nature of God. We begin to see God, not our flesh. But we begin to see who we are in the Spirit of God. And we can begin accomplishing great things. Back to Romans 8, Romans eight fourteen, it says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. So a good question is, what does led by the Spirit mean? How do you know when you're being led by the Spirit? How do you know when it's the voice of the Spirit of God talking to you? You know, I, you know if I ask you the question, how would you respond? I know what I would say, but... So I ask a couple of friends of mine, how do you, uh, how do you hear the, the Spirit of the Lord? And the person goes, well, I made the decision to open myself up to the presence of of the Holy Spirit in my life. Well, that's pretty simple. And my, my response is, so you just made a decision. And they're like, yeah, I guess that's what I did. And then we read something like Revelation 3.20. It says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I come in and eat with that person and they with me. You mean I just make a decision to open the door? Yeah. Sometimes it's as simple as that. You just got to make a decision. God, I'm going to allow you to talk to me. I'm not going to ignore you. Concerning on, you know, whether it's from God or not, he says sometimes it's not logical to what's going on around me. So he compares it to what, you know, what is said to what is happening and doesn't even relate. And he said, well, if I hear something from left field, I have to wait. I have to stop and wait because I want to know if the Lord's going to say it again and bring me to the same conclusion. And then I have a choice to obey the Holy Spirit or not. You know, questions like, when do I have peace about the situation? 
Now, see, that's a very logical person. And he is saying, when I do all this, my head and my heart are joined together, and logic and the peace of God are there. So then I talk to another person. I ask, well, do you hear the Holy Spirit regularly? And their response is, it really depends on what you mean by hearing the Holy Spirit. My, my re, you know, gut reaction is, no, not really, but upon second thought, I think the Holy Spirit speaks to me through my subconsciousness. It's more subtle than I'm aware of, and others might call it intuition, but it produces a more natural desire to do what God wants. And then they went on to say, on occasion I hear distinct thoughts and, and, you know, or words in my thoughts and, you know, almost very, very uh, forceful and it jars me at times. And I was thinking one way and all of a sudden it's like I'm thinking a total different way. So how do I know if, you know, how do you know if it's him, you know, speaking to them? And they said, often it happens during prayer. Well, that's a good sign. And then it's always backed up by Scripture, That's another good sign. It never goes against God. You know, I love it when people say, oh, well, God really wanted, oh, you know, God wanted this to happen, or God wanted, you know, wants me to go this direction. Really? Because that goes against all the scripture that I've ever read. You know, we have to back it up with scripture. I can tell you a a dozen different ways. Some people say it feels a certain way when God speaks to them. Others will say there's an energy that I feel or it usually directs me to a narrow path or the Holy Spirit overwhelms me. You know, sometimes it happens when we're the busiest and the Holy Spirit tells you to do something and someone repeats exactly what the Holy Spirit is already telling you or, you know, or I feel God is telling me something and the Bible backs it up. My point is this. There is no one distinct way that the Holy Spirit talks to every individual. As in, like, he uses the same way to talk to every person, is is what I'm trying to say. He uses multiple ways to talk to different people because we all have a different personality and we all react differently. There is no one formula. I believe the Holy Spirit is real. I believe the Holy Spirit lives in us. Also believe that sometimes it overwhelms us and it blesses us to do something. You can call it the baptism of the Holy Spirit if you want. I call it being a Christian. You don't have to have this to happen for you to go to, to, to heaven. You know, nowhere in Scripture does it say that. But if you want to hear from God, you need to ask Him and then watch and listen. Because for everyone, it's going to be a little different. The more you are in the Word, the more you talk with God, The more you get to know how the Holy Spirit reacts and talks to you, the more you're going to hear from God. Sometimes you're going to screw it up and think, oh, God told me to do this. And you're going to, you know, figure out that, okay, maybe that wasn't God. That wasn't a good decision. But God will honor you for listening. It takes us getting out of our comfort zone and saying, God, speak to me. And again, it'll be different depending on your personality. He's a dad who knows his kids. I can already tell you that Brandon and Grayson are completely two different kids, even though they're being brought up the same way. One started going, we were laughing earlier today, one started going to sleep pretty quick, you know, overnight. I mean, like eight, nine months and all night sleeping. The other one just started going to sleep all night and, you know, he's at, what, 21 months? And we're like, oh, praise the Lord, he's finally sleeping through the night. Kids will be different. You and I are different. God is going to speak to us 
differently. It's not the same for everyone. So, how to hear the Spirit's voice on a particular topic. I'm going to need, uh, Andy, could you help me out here? And, and yeah, could you guys hand this out? I didn't want to hand this out earlier because all sermon you'd just be reading this and ignoring me. So, I figured uh, we'll hand those out. Sorry. You can stick this in your Bible, you can take it with you, you can put it on your fridge, you can put it in your car, or you can throw it away if you absolutely have to. But I'm just saying, it's something to, to, to keep around, refer back to. And we're going to go over these uh, 14 points here about how to hear the Holy Spirit's voice. Now, this is what I came up with. There is no formula. There is no, you follow these 14 points and God will speak to you, okay? Um, these are just different ways, Okay. Silence during a sermon. You didn't think it could happen. I know. So how to hear the Spirit's voice on a particular topic. Number one, we need to align ourselves to Him. We need to set our minds on things above. And you will not hear the voice of God if you're purposely living in a sinful situation. Unmarried people living together? You know, it's just not going to happen that way. It's not going to happen in that situation. Why would God reward us for, for an unhealthy living? You know, don't complain to God if He's not blessing you if you're choosing to live in a sinful way. Now, we all have sin. I just picked that one out of the air. I mean, it could be a whole bunch of different things. It could be, okay, I'm drinking all the time. Let's, you know, pick on all the big three, you know. I'm using drugs all the time, but I want God to bless me. That doesn't quite work like that. And we can't complain, well, God's not talking to me. Well, maybe you ought to, you know, work on a few things. So we need to align ourselves to Him. We need to set our minds on things above. Number two, we need to study the Word of God and learn God's style as He directs others. Just like we have a style, God has a style. Look at how he spoke to Adam and Eve and Noah and Cain and Abel and Lot and Moses and Joshua and Isaac and Esther and Deborah and Elizabeth. Well, I don't know, Pastor Ellen. How did he? I'm not going to give you all the answers. You've got to get into the Word. You've got to read it a little bit. You need to open the Bible and read and learn. If you need a Bible, steal one. From, I mean, take one from the back. It's okay, but you need to find out God's style. And here's a little hint. He uses the same style in the Old Testament and the New Testament, just like he uses it with us. He goes to each individual and uses their strengths and their weaknesses to talk to them, which is kind of interesting. So read up on that. Number three, ask a mature believer how they hear the Spirit's voice. This will challenge you and them to find a, you know, an answer and to listen to that answer. And if they're really mature, when you go to them, they won't act like the Holy Spirit's voice. Oh, I'm having this issue. Oh, well, good. I'm glad you brought that issue to me because I want to solve that issue for you. Do this, this, and this. No, that's their opinion, okay? You have to listen to the Spirit. They won't say, here's what the Holy Spirit wants you to do. Now they'll give you their opinions and options and say, talk with God about this. He, you know, what do you want you to do? 
Because depending on the situation, it may be different than what they would do in their situation. So a mature person will hear you out and then always point you back to God. Number four, clearly tell God your thoughts and concerns. Talk with Him, people. We need to talk with Him. Just do it. Tell Him what you want. It may sound dumb, but you need to verbalize it. You need to that or write it down. Sometimes even saying it out loud will help you in the process. The other day I was trying to figure something out and ask Lisa for her opinion. So I'm explaining the ins and the outs and about three quarters of the way of me just going da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. It popped in my head. I know exactly what she's going to answer with. Just saying it out loud gave me the answer that I knew she was going to give me. And of course, that's the answer she gave me. And I was like, well, okay. It's like this with God also. I'm not saying my wife is God, okay? I'm not saying that at all. But she is a sounding board. Sometimes you've got to find that sounding board. So if we verbalize or write something down, if we explain it to God, give Him your thoughts, give Him your concerns, you might even understand what God thinks before you're even finished talking. That's the Holy Spirit working. Number five, pray. Not my will be done, but your will be done. Keep praying and don't stop until you know for sure that God has answered you. Does that mean I want you to do a 48 hour prayer session. No, I'm just saying multiple times throughout the day, keep that on your mind and talk with God about it and keep pestering him. You know, my son has learned that if he keeps pestering me, eventually he'll get an answer. It may not always be the answer he wants, but if he keeps pestering me, he'll get one answer one way or the other. Sometimes we need to pester God. God is okay with that. Some people will even say, well, I haven't heard from God. And God's like, no, I've told you no six times. You've heard from me. Dad, I know you said no last time, but... yeah. Okay, number six, stop talking and start listening. Sit quietly with the Lord. It's hard to hear the Lord over all the noise, isn't it? This is important why we need to, you know, we always call it vacation, but we need to get out of town. We need to get away from the TV. You need to, you know, get out in nature, see the beauty of God. You need to get to a point where you can listen to God. For some people, this is a prayer closet if you've, you know, gone that direction. For some people, it's out walking in nature. Some people, it's playing with the kids. You just got to get away from your normal routine and be able to listen. Number seven is be patient. Well, I read two chapters of the Bible. I should have my answer by now. No, it doesn't quite work like that. You know, just, just be patient with it. God may be working in the background trying to set things up, and you're over here going, but God, I need it right now. I need it right now. And God's going, but I need to set some things up before I get to the answer for you. Number eight, watch your circumstances close, closely after you pray, saying, Lord, what do you want me to do? I'm just kind of wallowing, wallowing around here. And before you know it, God has started to change the circumstances. The Lord might open the door that you've been waiting for, but you have to pay attention to what's going on. Like I said with the previous one, he might be setting up the situation to be able to open that door. Number nine, if you think the Holy Spirit is speaking, ask, does this sound like my voice and my desire, or does this sound different? Because most of the time I figured out God's voice doesn't sound like my voice. 
My voice is what I want. My voice is what I desire. My voice is, is what my flesh wants a lot of times. And God's voice is completely different. The Holy Spirit talks to me completely different than that. It will not sound like you most of the time. Number 10, sort out what you've been hearing with Scripture. God will not go against himself. If you open up the Bible and it says completely different than what you believe, or it says completely different than what you've decided God was telling you, then guess what? You're wrong. You're wrong. God does not go against himself. We have to check it out with the, you know, with the Bible. Someone says, well, well, God is love. Well, that's true, and I love that person. So this might be right, but just don't go tell my wife that I went out with this woman. What? You know what I'm saying? This might be right. I love the person. God's love. Or, you know, whatever this is, I know it's a sin, but, but I don't think God's against that because it just feels right. Well, no, it doesn't work like that, okay? Let's be honest. Number 11, ask, what is my spirit saying? As in, where's the peace? Are you at peace with what your decision brings you to? That's a big clue right there. Number 12, prayerfully step into risk. We have to take risk. I mean, I'm trying to, you know, it's a catch-22 with, uh, with my, my son, you know, he's, it's like he's six and a half, he wants to go do everything, but I want to protect him, you know, but at the same time, when he climbs up into the, the, the tree, when I say he climbs up the tree, he's only like three feet off the ground, okay? But in my mind, he's like 24 feet off the ground, and I got to protect him, I got to be there to, to catch him, and you know, sometimes we got to take a risk to learn certain things. You can't steal second base. If you don't leave first base, okay, for those baseball people out there. Isn't baseball fixing to start up, right? Opening? Yeah? Today? Oh, boy. We're not going to have anybody at bingo. Okay. Anyway. But you know what the, the most important step is when stealing to second base? It's your third step. Your first step, you're off. Your second step, you're off. But you can die back pretty quick. That third step, you've made a commitment. You might get thrown out. You might not. But you dust yourself off when you get up. But you're never going to steal second without taking a chance. Now, second point on that one is you'd never steal second if your coach told you not to. You see what I'm saying, though? God wants us to take risk in this life, but also we need to check with our coach. We need to check with God and say, is this the risk that I should be taking? Is this the risk that's worth going for? And he may tell you no. He may tell you yes. Number 13, evaluate, discuss, pray, and learn. You may, you've done this, if you've done this in the past, past, you need to evaluate. Did it work? Did it not work? Do I really feel that God was talking to me or not? Or was that just the bad pizza I had the night before? Or I ate too much or whatever. Discuss it with some mature people and pray about it and learn from your situations. And number 14, develop the skill by using it often. We need to cry out, Abba, Father. We need to cry out, Daddy. And I'm going to end with this thought today. 
You see, I thought this was, you know, because with Grayson and the whole adoption story, and and we hit the kind of adoption theme here that Paul is using, and I just thought, oh, well, you know, I'll just go right into that story, and that, because it's a really cool story. In fact, I was sitting down talking to our neighbor, uh, you know, the kids were out playing baseball, and we're just sitting in the driveway, and she asked a couple of questions, so I'm talking with him and her, and about the whole adoption, and they're like, wow, that's just such a cool story. So I thought we were going to go right into that story when I hit this passage. But God had a whole different view on it that he wanted me to go on, a different path. You see, Brandon is the product of my love for his mother. He's our child. That's what happens, okay? That's what kids are. But with the adoption, it's different. It is, I just loved you. We loved you. You were born. You were handed to us. And we loved you. And it was completely different. We loved you so much, we adopted you. See, this is a beautiful concept with us and our Father. Our Abba Father. See, most of the time, I'm not even aware that we adopted Grayson. You know, it's kind of weird. It's just normal. We receive the spirit of adoption just like Grayson when it comes to God. See, Grayson will know he's adopted. Grandparents, his natural grandparents babysit him all the time. Uh, Birth mother comes over. uh, Birth father, you know, gets together when he's in town. And uh, it's, it's a weird kind of situation in in one sense but it's very natural in the other sense but he will know he's adopted but he will naturally call me daddy right because i'm the one raising him he comes running up and he's a little short bow-legged and wants to give me the hug you know it's very natural this is us with god this is us with abba with father it's natural i don't think well god adopted me no I say, that's my father. God takes care of us and watches over us. And we need to cry out, Dad, 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 Daddy, 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 Daddy. Are you listening, Daddy? And God will go, yeah, I heard you're the first dad, you know. I'm on the phone. And Brandon goes, Dad. I'm like, You know, I'm listening. Ten seconds later, Dad. Dad, are you off yet? No. Can you see the phone on my head? Hold on one second. Will you just be quiet? You know, God doesn't act like that with us. I don't bang Brandon over the head with a phone. But this is us crying out to God. We need to cry out more. Abba, 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 I want to be with you. I want to hear you. I want your direction in my life. And if we ignore the Holy Spirit then we don't get that. We don't get to hear the voice of God. So I want to challenge you on your thoughts about the Holy Spirit and how He speaks with you. Now again, these 14 points, that's not a formula. That's just different ways that you can evaluate whether you're hearing from God or not. Different ways you can learn about that. You know, Keep it around, look at it. But ultimately, you have to open your heart up and say, God, speak to me speak to me. If you're wanting to hear from God about a situation or at all, if you're just going, God, are you even out there? If you're wanting to hear from God, ask Him to speak to you. 
and then listen. Because He will. Because He's a loving Father that sent His Son to save you and I. He's a loving Father. He paid dearly to be able to have a relationship with us that Adam and Eve broke many, many, many years ago. He desires that. He wants us to talk to Him. You know, right now I get irritated sometimes when Brandon's just like, Dad, 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 Dad. And you're just like, ah, give me a second. Teenage years, I'll be like, oh, (laughs) would you please say, Dad? Would you please talk to me? You know, and our relationship with God is, is often the same way. At the very beginning, we become a Christian, we're like, oh, dad, 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 dad. Oh, I just love being a Christian. I just love the Holy Spirit. I just love God. I just love Jesus. And then we get to the teenage years of being a Christian. And God's sitting there going, I want to hear from you. I want, you. I want to talk to you. So I don't know where you're at in your maturing and your process and your walk, your journey, whatever you want to call it, in your Christian walk. But cry out to God. Cry out, and he'll answer you. Well, why don't we stand and pray as the worship team comes. We will end for the day. Let's pray. Abba, Father, Daddy, so often we get to a point where we kind of ignore you in our life, Lord, and I, I, I pray that I pray that we start to understand that you want to have that relationship that's deeper than that. You want to cheer us on. You want to, you want to teach us. You want to hang out with us. You want to go hiking with us. You just want to be with us, Lord, and, and I'm so thankful for that. And I pray and during those times of need, Lord, that, that you help us understand that you're there to help us. You are there to answer our questions. You are there to guide us, to, to get direction from. And all we have to do is open our mouths and say, Father, I need your help. Daddy, I need your help. Help us get to a point where we don't ignore you on a daily basis in our life, but instead we're, we're talking with you on a daily basis. Knowing that you're not going to be that harsh father, but you're such a loving father. And help us come to, to that understanding. Now the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord's face shine down upon you. And may He bless you this week when you cry out, Abba, Father. In the name of the Holy Spirit, amen.